0: Welcome to Single 30, the manual for the modern woman that we're riding together. No topic is taboo as we explore and publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. So, are you in? I think
1: sometimes as we get older and we get so used to being on our own, it's hard to fit somebody in. And a lot of people have the mentality that they're great on their own, they have a full life, amazing friends. And so in order to bring somebody in, that person has to be amazing. And so I think a lot of people aren't even actively dating. They might say they want a partner, but they're not actually putting in the work to get one.
0: Our guest today worked as a TV producer at E! True Hollywood Story, where she quickly became the office dating expert, setting up many of her co-workers. Recognizing her hidden talent for matchmaking, she quit her full-time job and began hosting singles events as well as offering personalized matchmaking services. The Three Day Rule was officially created in 2010, allowing our guest to turn her lifelong hobby of matchmaking into a thriving business that is now located in 12 cities across America. Our guest has appeared on Good Morning America and has been featured in Fortune, Los Angeles Times, Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, and more. Leveraging her extensive network of successful, dynamic singles, our guest has found matches for hundreds of clients, including top executives, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and everyday young professionals. She has made it her mission in life to help clients on their quest to find true love. To all my modern women, if you're over online dating and swiping right, or even playing the field, and if you're not sure where you're going wrong when it comes to love or where to meet quality people, but are ready to take your dating life to the next level, then this is the episode for you. Together, we discuss how dating apps and an unforeseen pandemic have changed the dating game, how to identify the difference between a rapid burn to a slow burn from a no burn, how to reduce dating mistakes and burnout, what the key to a lasting relationship is, what men are looking for in a match compared to women, what it's like to be a female founder and fundraise while pregnant, and last but not least, how to balance babies with business. Guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you today our very own modern-day Cupid, Talia Goldstein. Talia, welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. So I have always been so intrigued by matchmaking services and how they work. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me about 3 Day Rule and how it came about. Sure. So I was matching people as long as I can remember.
1: In high school, I loved pairing people together. But the company really started while I was working in entertainment. I was on the show E! True Hollywood Story. And I was just matching my friends and my coworkers for fun. So I would have people come to my cubicle, I'd give them relationship advice, and then I would set them up on a date. And I started to have a lot of success. People were coupling up and some were getting engaged. And so I began hosting parties around LA, and they grew really quickly 30 people would come, and then 300 people. And then we had parties for 600 singles. And really it was at one of those events that I realized something was missing in the market and I ended up starting a
0: matchmaking company on my own. That is such a cool story, but I'm curious, where does the name Three Day Rule come from? It's from the movie
1: Swingers, which very few people can remember. <laughs> um, it was a movie with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau and it was this old stupid rule that guy used to wait 3 days to call a girl after getting her phone number so he didn't seem desperate. So we definitely do not believe in the rule. It was just a funny name that we came up with at the time when we started the company.
0: So I'm curious
1: though, what makes a good matchmaker? Matchmakers are interesting and it's hard to look at a resume and determine whether or not someone would be a good matchmaker. So A lot of the matchmakers are just like me. They were setting people up
0: at work
1: through family and friends, and they just have this innate talent. A lot of the skills of a matchmaker are soft skills. So it's making people feel comfortable. It's genuinely caring about everyone that we're working with. So we look at a lot of those characteristics when we're hiring a matchmaker. And then
0: it really comes down to listening skills and intuition. I love that. When I was looking at your website, though, I noticed that most of your matchmakers are female. Do you think that women have more of an innate talent than men when it comes to matchmaking? We would love to have male matchmakers. We do have a few male date coaches. I think that
1: men can be empaths and great matchmakers in the way that women can, but typically it's a job that more women apply for. So I do actually think
0: men could be great matchmakers as well. Interesting. So how do you define a successful match? Success is a little tricky because a lot of people are coming
1: to us looking for something a little bit different. I mean, we're helping our clients navigate the beginning stages of a relationship. So for us, a successful match is someone who's continuing to date, let's say six, seven, eight, nine dates. We're working with people for a short amount of time, three months or six months. So for us, success is having them walk away from the process of dating someone and hoping that it continues on and into
0: engagement and marriage. Amazing. And so what would you say the company's success rate is in terms of matchmaking? Well, the majority of our clients are dating someone at
1: the end that we've paired them with. So we have a high success rate, but it is a little bit tricky because people are coming to us at different stages. So some people are fresh out of a divorce and they're just trying to get back out there while others are coming, looking for marriage and kids. So people are coming at different stages and for them success means something different. Like for someone who doesn't have a ton of dating experience, walking away a more confident dater is success to them.
0: Totally. I hadn't thought of that before. So it's interesting. I mean, obviously dating has evolved so much in the modern world. And I'm curious, do you think dating is more or less difficult than it used to be? I personally think it's a lot harder.
1: I think on one hand, the apps are great because they give you access to millions of people you wouldn't have otherwise met. But I think they've brought so many challenges to dating and that in turn has made dating harder. Because if you think about it before while we didn't have access to so many people, you know, you would meet someone in person at a bar through friends and you'd really give that person a fair shot and see if you wanted to become exclusive. Now there are endless options. And so I think what's happening is people are judging too quickly and then moving on to the next person because there's always somebody else. And you never know if the person you're with is dating five other people. So I think that's There have been so many additional challenges to dating because of the apps and a lot of additional bad behavior that I didn't see pre-apps like ghosting and breadcrumbing and all of those terms that we know so well.
0: Totally. I feel like the swipe right culture has made dating so complicated. And yeah, like it's almost like dating is treated like fast food now. Like people are just like treat you as if you're like one of 10 people that they're like, choosing to date at any given moment. So yeah, I completely agree with what you just said.
1: And with that analogy, the fast food analogy, another thing that I'm seeing is that people are looking for something very quickly. Like we're used to Uber and Amazon and fast food and we get things right away. But that's not how dating works. Dating takes a long time the way it always has. So one challenge that I'm seeing is that people are going on a date and they want to know right away, is this their person that they're going to marry or not? And if it's not, they're moving on. When really they really need to get to know somebody over time, like go on that second, third, fourth
0: date to see if there's actually potential there, but they're cutting it off too quickly. It's so true. I feel like that's such like a common response that like the person goes on a date and doesn't have that immediate like electric feeling and therefore they dismiss that person. But like I feel like there's a lot of merit in the slow burn that my generation doesn't really cherish as much as previous generations, perhaps. I totally agree. And I think while we all want those sparks on the first date, in
1: many ways, they're red flags. It's something in your body giving you anxiety and not knowing if that person's actually interested in you. And that is negative when what you should be really feeling is a sense of ease and comfort around that person. but oftentimes when we're feeling that, we don't feel like the crazy sparks are there. And so we don't continue to date that person. So I'm a firm believer in the slow burn. I've seen it work time and time again especially for women, that chemistry can really grow over time where you might not be attracted to the person on the first date, but by the fifth date, he's the hottest guy in the room and you have to allow yourself the time for that to grow.
0: It's so true. I literally just did a podcast episode on how we mistake anxiety for chemistry and how often that is just like a trauma bond that is being like ignited in us or activated in us and we completely mistake it for connection or like authentic connection. When in reality, we should be giving the nice guys who (laughs) make us feel calm, uh, you know, a go, but often we dismiss them far too quickly. And it's so interesting because like, it's amazing how many times I've done that myself. And then You're so right. Like after a couple of dates, that chemistry does grow and it's based on like shared values rather than just like lust or, you know, like you said, anxiety. It's a shame that so many people are so dismissive at first. Right. What do you think about since COVID has taken place?
1: I think COVID in some ways has been a game changer. I would say the silver lining of COVID is that people had to sit with themselves. They didn't have as many distractions as they had before. And they reprioritize their list and love moved to the top. So I saw a huge shift in the people who are coming to us, especially men who are really looking for a relationship, even younger than they typically come to us. Even early 20s, they were coming really ready to focus on love. So I think in some ways, COVID helped dating and it made it a little
0: slower than it was pre-COVID. That's so interesting. I feel like COVID was every fuckboy's worst nightmare because they couldn't (laughs) date multiple women at the one time. Yeah, it was too much work. Yeah, exactly. So they were forced to prioritize love. But um, that's a really nice silver lining for a pandemic. I'm like really pleased to hear that. But as someone who has experienced app and dating burnout, it definitely occurred to me to outsource my love life before. But there was like this huge part of me that was like always, I guess, in a sense, too embarrassed to do so. Do you think there's a stigma around matchmaking? I think there may have been years ago,
1: the same way there was with online dating, where at first people met online and they didn't want to share how they met. But now it's so common. I think there's been a shift with matchmaking where... Maybe 10 years ago, people were a little bit embarrassed about it. But now it's so popular and so common that I don't think the stigma exists anymore. And I think people view it the same way they would with a realtor or a nutritionist or a personal trainer. You know, we don't have time or the expertise to do everything. And so people are outsourcing their love lives. And some people have the misconception that matchmaking is for people who can't get a date, but it's actually the opposite it's for people who can get a date any night of the week, but they don't have the time and energy to sift through all of those people. So they outsource their love life. So they're only meeting the highest quality matches.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting, because I feel like there's a misconception that people who outsource a matchmaker must be desperate. But when I think about how much time I spent on the apps when I was single, it almost felt like another full-time job like I'm not even joking then the return on investment is awful like you're speaking to 10 people at any one time and it's very unlikely that any of those people are going to turn into somebody that you're going to potentially date so I'd imagine that say like a CEO who's very time poor is also very likely to want to outsource their love life because they simply just don't have the time to sit on apps for, you know, two hours a day. Right. Well, the average online dater spends 12 hours a week online. So
1: you're right. It is like a part time job. And a lot of those CEO types don't have that time. And a lot of them also are private. They can't go online and have their employees get matched with them. And so they're turning to matchmakers because it's also a much more confidential way to date. We don't have public profiles, so we're interviewing people and getting to know them and then pairing people based on that. But it's all private.
0: Right. And so what is the usual age range? We work with such a wide
1: range. We work with 20s to 80s, so it's basically everyone There are two main demos that we end up working with most. One is Single Never Married. So 20s, 30s, early 40s is our most popular demo. We skew younger than some other matchmaking companies. And then our second most popular demo is 50s, 60s, Divorced. And looking to get back out there and and needing help adjusting to the dating landscape today.
0: Can we just rewind to the part where you said you work with people around the age of 80? That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) We had the sweetest success story last year. They
1: were in their 80s and they would go to the gym together and they were absolutely
0: adorable. So you can find love at any age. Oh my God, that's like the cutest thing I've ever heard and must have made your job so rewarding. Like, (laughs) does it get
1: better than that? It really doesn't. I mean, every success story is so rewarding. This is why we do what we do. But yes, the ones in their 80s are especially
0: exciting. So I'm curious, what sort of investment does it require? So anyone can actually sign up for free to be in the database and be
1: matched with our clients. So you actually don't even have to pay anything to join the network. On the client side, the pricing starts at $5,900. So obviously it's an investment, but it's a well worthwhile one. You're investing in yourself and your love life, but it does Start at about six thousand dollars
0: and goes up from there. Okay, amazing. I mean, I guess when it comes to love, it's sort of priceless, right? (laughs)
1: Exactly. I mean, that's what people say. It was ends up being the best investment they've ever made.
0: Yeah, exactly. So when I was single, I would often complain that there were no good guys out there. So I'm curious, where do you find potential matches? Like, what do you know that I don't know? (laughs) (laughs) Well. Where we find matches for us, number one is referrals. So we'll
1: set up a couple successfully and they'll tell their friends about us. They might also read about us in press. We're in like Wall Street Journal, NPR, New York Times. So men read that and they'll sign up. And then we also recruit outside of our network. So we're always on the prowl. If we see someone interesting on LinkedIn or Instagram or they're in a clubhouse talking and we think they could be good for a client. We'll approach them and find out if they're single. If so, we interview them. And if they're a match, we'll set them up with our client. So we're always on the lookout. What I've found is that there are so many amazing guys but they're getting passed up for the exact reason we talked about before, that a lot of women are looking for the bad boy. They're looking for someone with a little more of an edge. And so these really great guys who have a secure, <laughs> secure attachment styles And would make the best boyfriends and husbands are getting passed up because they're not as edgy as some of the charmer types out there. So fortunately, through matchmaking, we get to interview these guys and they're amazing. And we can tell our clients all about them, but sometimes online
0: or even in the real world, they get passed up. A hundred percent. So using me as an example, right, when I was on the apps, I would literally swipe left on guys if they were wearing thongs or were playing golf in any of their photos or weren't six foot tall. Would you turn me away or fire me as a client for being too picky? It depends. (laughs) If you were willing to trust the process
1: (laughs) and be open-minded and to work with your matchmaker, then we would definitely work with you. If you are really rigid in that thinking, then probably we
0: wouldn't. Wow. Okay. So have you ever turned any clients away? Definitely. Yes.
1: We turn clients away. And by the way, back to the height, at least in the US, only 14% of men are over six feet tall. And we assume half are single. So by even putting six feet tall in your profile, you're down to 7%. Yeah. And then every time you add some other layer, You're narrowing the pool. And so that is the reason why it's just adding so many layers. And a lot of times women will say six feet tall or Ivy League degree or making a certain amount of money. You're
0: just whittled
1: down to like five men in your city.
0: (laughs) This explains my dating life so well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also those are things that probably won't matter in 20 years. Like That's the bigger issue is that in 20 years, is it really going to make a difference if your guy is 6'1"? or? would you prefer someone who's supportive and who adores you like that's probably going to matter more so true so the clients that will turn away when they come to us are just rigid in their thinking and they're convinced their person is going to be x y and z and they're not willing to trust the process but then it's just not the right fit absolutely they still will find their match but but not through a matchmaker
0: It's so funny because we have these list of requirements where we want the perfect person, but it's like, am I perfect? And it's like, no, not by any means am I perfect. So I don't know why I have like this huge long list of requirements, like it's insanity. But how much resistance do you find in your clients? Typically, we're not getting a ton of resistance because they're coming to
1: us for expert advice. And usually they've already tried dating on their own and realized whatever they're doing is not working. So if we do challenge our clients and you know they're resistant, we'll just have an open conversation. And we're not gonna do anything that they don't feel comfortable with. If they absolutely wanna stick to that six feet tall, we'll present them we'll present them with that six foot tall match. But we do have that open conversation to let them know they're passing up a lot of other great matches because they're limited in their thinking.
0: Interesting. And so, what do you classify as fair deal breakers? Well, it's really up to the
1: client and what's most important to them. I would say, like, most typical deal breakers that we get are like smoking or drugs, or some people don't want someone who rides a motorcycle or tattoos. Like, those are the typical deal breakers. And for us, a deal breaker is a hard no. Like, they absolutely will not go out with that person. Recently, we see a lot of political deal breakers. So some people will say no Trump supporters is really <laughs> important to them. Yep. If it's like politics, or maybe there's something with religion, and that is really important to them, then they can put it in that category. And then we have another category called must have, and these are the non-negotiables. This means they need to have this criteria in their matches. So oftentimes it's wants kids, financially stable, leads a healthy, active lifestyle, along those lines, and they won't get a match outside of that
0: criteria. Interesting. And so how do you identify who is a good match or not? And how long does the process typically take? Typically, people sign up with us for three months or six months. First of all, the potential
1: client meets with someone on our new member strategist team and our job, and I'm on that team, but our job is to make sure we can deliver. So what we talked about before, we're not going to take someone on that we don't feel that we can have success with. If we do feel we can have success and they're interested in moving forward, we will pick a matchmaker that we think is a good fit for them. And then the matchmaker will really get to know them. So we ask all about their family history and their parents' relationships and their core values, what they're looking for in five years, who they're attracted to. Like we spend a lot of time really getting to know the client. And then what we do from there is we find all of the matches who we think could be a good fit for them on paper. And we do that same interview with the matches. So that way we're really digging deeper. Obviously it's much deeper than you would get on an online dating site. We're asking all of these questions. So that way By the time we match our client, we already know they align on the most important criteria, meaning their core values, their non-negotiables, and we feel it's a personality fit. And by the time we present the match to our client, we also know the client is excited to meet them. So we take care of everything for our client ahead of time. And then we'll present our client with photos and a bio. We'll tell them all about why we chose the match. And then they go on the date. And I think actually the most valuable part of our service is what happens after the date. We get post-date feedback. So after every date, we get feedback from both sides so we can understand what our client is like on a date and how we can help them become a better dater. And then it's also a thoughtful process to understand how the client felt about the match so we know how to move forward. But the post-date feedback is key because you don't get that in the real world. And oftentimes, you're making the same mistakes over and over, and you have no idea. So fortunately, we get that information, and we can help them navigate that beginning stage of a
0: relationship. Yeah, wow. That whole process sounds amazing. The post-date feedback terrifies me, though. Like, I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> uh, but there's so much to unpack in this. So I'm curious, because like, when I was out there dating 24-7, like my type... Just I cannot be trusted in terms of like picking out the right guy for myself. (laughs) So I'm curious, do you find that most people have a type? Yes. Most people don't think they have a type, but they have a type. And usually
1: we tend to eat what's familiar, but actually familiar is not always what's best for us. So we just end up falling into the same habits where we're dating the same type of person over and over. In part of the exercise in matchmaking is we ask our clients to send photos of their exes. And almost everyone says, sure, I'll send you the photos, but I don't have a type. And we look at the photos and they're identical.
0: Mm -hmm. They absolutely do have a type. 100%. So I am a firm believer that people have type. (laughs) So then I'm curious, do most success stories marry their type or end up dating their type or is it outside their criteria? Most of them
1: marry someone outside of their criteria.
0: Wow. So, uh, that's yeah. mind blowing. Wow, It
1: is really interesting. We've had many success stories admit to us that they may have swiped left on the person they married. A hundred percent. We're so used to just swiping on what we know that we're not open minded to other types. And I'm convinced people are swiping right past their soulmate for that exact reason. And so the advice that we typically tell our clients is that your person's coming in a different package. So just be open to that and that helps them step outside their comfort zone. But So many of our clients married someone that they there's no way they would have met on their own.
0: That is insane to me. Oh my gosh. So what is your favorite success story?
1: Oh my gosh, we have
0: so many, but I think it's the ones that I get most
1: excited about are ones that fall into that category where they ended up with someone that was outside of what they thought. So I think my favorite one is it was actually pretty early on a couple that I matched. She was sort of preppy, like would wear pearls and oh, came that. from again <laughs> conservative, sophisticated family. And she asked me for a Jewish guy in finance. She wanted like a corporate guy. So when I asked her additional questions, I could tell that she had more of an edge and she looked like she did on the surface. So I would ask her questions like if you could choose between this date and this date, which one sounds more exciting to you? And she would pick the more edgier date. So I said, I have a guy that I think could be a really great fit for you. But let me tell you what your life is going to be like. You're not going to be at the Four Seasons, but you will be at fun concerts. And she's like, you know what, I'm up for it. So I paired her with a guy who was a rocker, covered in tattoos, long hair, and they ended up married and they have a kid now.
0: Oh my gosh. So they would (gasps) not have met outside of three day rule. That is insane. Oh my gosh. Was she sold after the first date or was she like in two minds and you had to kind of like push her over the line?
1: Yeah, she was intrigued. She wasn't all the way there yet but I always encourage people to give it a second shot or a third shot. My philosophy is if you're remotely attracted to the person and they seem kind, go out again. Because so many people are different on the first date. You know, there's first date jitters or their personalities don't shine through. And so it is really important to go out a second or third time. And I think an issue that I see and why people are not going, even on a first date, like first date, second date, is they're making so many assumptions that aren't true. We are constantly making assumptions. Like, for example, this is even before they went out, but one of our success stories that ended up married, the guy admitted to the girl a few months after they got married, that he swiped left on her on Bumble. And what he said was, based on her profile and her profession, he made assumptions about her that ultimately weren't true. And so at every step, we're making assumptions about people and deciding they're not for us when really we should just keep an
0: open mind. Oh, totally. I am so guilty of doing that. Like, if I see a guy on an app who is interested in sport or drinking beer, I'm like, it's a hard no for me. But they're probably really lovely. <laughs> I just don't share their hobbies. so They I'm like... probably are. <laughs> yeah, shame. So many guys I've swiped left on simply because they like cricket. Um, but I mean, you've touched on date feedback. I'm curious, what is the most outrageous date feedback you've received? <laughs>
1: The most outrageous and frustrating piece of post-date feedback that I received was a a guy coming back and saying he wasn't interested in a second date with the girl because her nails were chipped. Oh
0: my gosh. (laughs) That's so (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. I mean, I guess if you're into really polished women, that might be like... A no no for you, but I mean, (laughs) that seems like extremely picky. Like, I thought I was picky, but that's beyond. Beyond. (laughs) I know. I have no words for that. (laughs) So, I read recently the longer you are single, the easier it is to stay single. I can definitely relate to this. Why do you think people have trouble finding love? I think there are a lot of different reasons, but along
1: with that quote, I think sometimes as we get older and we get so used to being on our own it's hard to fit somebody in and a lot of people have the mentality that they're great on their own they have a full life amazing friends and so in order to bring somebody in that person has to be amazing and so I think a lot of people aren't even actively dating they might say they want a partner but they're not actually putting in the work to get one because they're pretty content on their own a partner would be a nice addition but they are they are happy. So I think a lot of times when you have been single for a long time and you're in your routine and you're okay without a partner, you don't put in the time and energy to get one. I think deep down they want one, but they're not actually putting in the effort.
0: That's so true. I was like that for so long. I was just like working so much. I had a really full life with my friends and my family. And I was like, yeah, like I'd love to fall in love, but like I just wasn't willing to put in the effort. And I would just dismiss people so quickly because I was just like I could go either way with it. But I'm curious, do you think there's someone out there for everyone? For sure. I totally believe that. I think there's a lid for every I pod. mean, you have to, right? <laughs> yes. There's someone out there for everyone. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So as someone who spent a long time in the dating trenches, I have come to believe that dating, like anything in life, is a skill. Where do you think most people go wrong when it comes to dating? It definitely is a skill. And there are... I do have five hours because I think there are a lot of
1: themes here and (laughs)
0: love the honesty.
1: (laughs) Assumptions for sure get in the way. I think people aren't as open-minded as they really should be in dating. A lot of people also like don't want to waste time. And so they do baggage checking. So they'll go on a first date with someone and then they'll unload all their baggage just to see if that person is going to stick around and Oh, my them. God, that's insane. <laughs> that's
0: yeah, crazy. Yeah, it happens
1: all the time in, like, sneaky ways where, you know, they're or they might say, like, hi, you know, I just want to let you know, like, I am 38 and I'm really looking to have a kid. And they'll immediately come in with that on the first date, which is a valuable information to have, but it is a little bit too intense coming out of the gate. So people, because they want to just find their person, they're trying to speed up the process. When really they should just take their time and maybe they end up wasting a month or two on the wrong person. But if you are trying to get all the answers on the first or second date, likely you're not even getting a third date.
0: Talia, it's so interesting that you say that because I can't tell you how many dates I've been on with guys who are older than me, like five to like eight years older than me, and within five minutes of sitting down at dinner, they'll say, I want children. I want children within a year or two, and I won't date anyone who's not open-minded to children. And I'm like, hi, my name's Nicole. Nice to meet you. And I'm just like, it terrifies (laughs) me because I'm like, I'm not a baby maker. Like, I'm looking for compatibility. I'm looking for a partner. Like, yeah, it's so true. Like, I feel like people lead too much with like their future plans rather than focusing on just getting to know that person. Right, exactly that. It's so
1: interesting that that's happening to you. But that is, I understand that they want all the answers, but it just it scares people, and it doesn't end up leading to that second or third date. Really, the first few dates should just be fun and light, and to see if you have anything
0: in common, and then you can cover the heavier topics later. Totally. So, what advice do you have for people who are looking for love but are perpetually single? You have to put in the work. Unfortunately your person's not arriving on your doorstep or
1: probably that's not going to happen. And so if you actually want love, you have to do something about it. So you can find your person online. I am actually an advocate for online dating if you really put the time and energy into it and you're open-minded. So putting in the time online or outsourcing to a matchmaker or at least asking your friends for help, you have to do something in order to get in front of enough people. Um, It could even be just Living your life and doing things that you really enjoy doing. So maybe you love trivia. So going to trivia nights or pickleball or tennis, like putting yourself in a position where you're actually going to meet people, but you have to be proactive if you actually want to meet somebody.
0: It very rarely happens when you're just sitting around. It's so true. I mean, I have a running joke with my friends. Like, the amount of Saturday nights I've spent in front of the TV with a face mask on, eating ice cream. And I'm like, why hasn't he arrived? (laughs) And it's like, what, is he supposed to crawl through the TV? I mean, that would be ideal, but it's, you know. (laughs) But you do get that, like, dating fatigue where you're like, oh, not another Saturday night out where I'm just going to be disappointed, you know? So it's a fine line and it requires balance, I think. I was just going to say, it is so hard. Like I definitely understand
1: that it is a frustrating process and it can be really painful, but so often it's that next match. So I always encourage people to just keep going. A lot of times the singles will say, I want to go on a dating hiatus. Like they're frustrated and burnt out and then they'll take a hiatus, but actually you should just keep going and meeting people because it really could just be the next person. And then you're done dating forever. Your last first
0: date, right? That's the end goal. (laughs) That's
1: the end goal. And then you appreciate that person so much more for everything you've been through.
0: A hundred percent. It's so true. So I hired a coach to do relationship work with, and she once said to me, you focus on what you can get out of a relationship instead of what you can give. And that was a major mic drop moment for me. So I'm curious, what do you think the key to a lasting relationship is? That's really interesting. I really like that. I think that's a good
1: takeaway. I mean, so much of it in the first place is just finding the right person. So making sure your core values align and your long-term goals align. But then once that is all set, a lot of it comes down to communication and compromise. You're not always going to get your way, but you need to really work closely together as a team I think it's also important to have similar fighting styles that really helps in a relationship
0: so you can resolve conflict, but it comes down to to communication. Totally. I've never heard that before. Similar fighting styles. That's such like a positive way to spin an argument. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it
1: is so true. If you have one person who calmly discusses things in order to resolve a conflict and you have another person who's yelling and is very passionate it just sometimes can trigger the other person and it's unproductive. So if you find yourself in a situation where you have like very different fighting styles and it's hard to resolve a conflict, it might not end up working long term. You can work on it together, but it just helps to have a similar fighting style.
0: So what are the sort of things men are looking for in a match compared to women?
1: Typically men come to us and they're looking for someone they're attracted to. Shocking. I know. It's usually number one. <laughs> Someone warm and nurturing and kind, and someone who's passionate about something, but they literally don't care what it is. It can be yoga or your career or animals. I think they just want to know that you're not needy and you have a life outside of them. They want you to be excited about something in your life. That's typically what the men come to us asking for. Women usually focus more on like financial stability and children. If a religion is important to them, we have a matchmaker on our team. I think she says it so perfectly. She says women want the three S's. So they want to feel safe, special, and sexy in that order.
0: That is so true. I had never thought of it like that, but it is actually so accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
1: We don't want the sexy first. Like you don't come out of the gate, like sending a dick pic. That doesn't work. You don't bring in the sexy first. Like you... You need to make them feel safe and then special, and then you can do whatever you need to on the sexy side.
0: Yeah, i got to say I'm not into dick pics. Please don't send them my way. They won't be received well. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't
1: actually think any women are. That wasn't a great example.
0: (laughs) No, but I completely understand what you're saying. So it's my understanding that Three Day Rule began in 2013 as a passion project and is now located in over 12 cities. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. We actually launched in 2010, but the company that exists today launched in 2013. Wow. I mean, congratulations. That's incredible. And I read you say, I transformed the company from a pipe dream to a powerhouse. But it's my understanding that twice when you went to raise capital for the business, you were actually pregnant. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) I have
1: terrible timing.
0: But yes, I did raise pregnant twice. Wow. So what was it like being a pregnant woman in the startup world? You know, it is really interesting. And
1: the first time I raised pregnant, I had just read this article by an angel investor where he talked openly about questioning whether or not he should give money to a founder who was pregnant. So he wrote this article basically outlining how he felt and how he was nervous to give money to someone pregnant. So after reading that, I got really nervous and I decided to hide my pregnancy. So I actually, I had a co-founder at the time. I didn't even tell her because I was so nervous that she would walk in and not feel confident. And so I just wore big clothes, even though it was very hot outside. I was in trench coats and long sweaters just to hide the pregnancy.
0: Wow. And we were able
1: to raise money. And then only after did I tell my co-founder and I disclosed it to the investors So the second time around when I went to raise funding, at that point, it had been a few years. We had these amazing metrics. We were growing like crazy. And I thought, I shouldn't have to hide this. We obviously have a viable company and I'm going to rock my belly. I'm going to go in with really tight clothes and it's not a big deal. But what ended up happening is the only people who gave me money, knew me before, like knew my work ethic and had invested in a previous round, or gave me money after I had the baby. The majority of the investors said to me, I'm really interested. Let's have a conversation after you have your baby. They weren't willing to put in the funds until I had the baby and they made sure everything was okay. And I had some investors ask me to stand up and twirl around and show my belly. I had an investor call me a bad mama because I took a meeting a couple days after I had a baby. Oh my gosh, you were mom shamed. I was mom shamed. And I... My point was like, I can do it all. It doesn't, I I know I had a baby on Tuesday, but let's just take this meeting on Thursday. And he jokingly called me a bad mama.
0: Not funny. That is not funny. It's really, I mean, then give me the
1: money before I have the baby. You can't win. So I found that it was really challenging. That was almost six years ago. There are more female founders and female investors these days and I do think we're making progress. I actually didn't pitch to female investors. They were all men. So I as we have more role models, I do think we're making progress, but clearly people still have a bias.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. Are there any other hurdles that you face because you're a woman? Well, I think in the beginning a lot of people thought it was a cute company, like a cute
1: lifestyle company. Oh, that's nice that you're matching people, but they Couldn't really see big picture until we started. We raised around from match.com and we went on Shark Tank and then they took it more seriously. So I don't know if that is the nature of dating or because I was a woman, but it took a little while for people to take it seriously.
0: How interesting. And also, just to rewind a little bit, I can't believe they asked you to stand up and twirl. I know. To show your belly. Like, I don't actually feel comfortable with that. <laughs> it, well, what made it even more awkward is that it was over Zoom because I was having
1: the baby a couple days later. And so I couldn't fly to the Bay Area to meet this group. And I had to stand up over Zoom and, show, and twirl around and show my belly.
0: Like they've never seen a pregnant person before. I'm like an animal at the zoo. Right? That's, yeah, exactly the like image that came to mind when you said it. So has it been hard managing a family while running a growing business? I would say
1: yes. It is hard, but it is absolutely doable. I'm convinced we can do it all. Like The term founder and mother are not mutually exclusive. It's just time management and in so many ways it makes you a better founder because you have
0: less time so you're more efficient you just get the job done so true incredible insight actually I hadn't thought of it like that before so what advice do you have for women who feel they have to choose between starting a family and starting a company I
1: don't think you have to make the choice I really believe that you can do both things so I would hate for any woman to not feel she can be successful as a founder and have to make the decision between starting a family or being a founder. I know that I always say a determined woman is unstoppable. If we want something, we are going to make it happen. So you can do both things. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the qualities that we have as mothers make great leaders, like we're empaths and we're supportive and we care about our babies and teens. And those end up being really helpful skills as you're growing
0: a company. I love that. And so I'm curious, you're obviously a matchmaker. When you first met your husband, did you just know or did it take a couple of dates? Were you dismissive? Did somebody have to push you over the line with him? You know, it's all of those things. So the way
1: that I met my husband is I went to a holiday party and I was going there just to say hi on the way to another holiday party. And I walked in and I saw him across the room and I turned to the guy next to me, like, who is that guy? Bring him over here right now. So he went and grabbed my husband who had no idea what was happening and brought him over. And I just said, hi, I'm Talia. It's so nice to meet you. And we chatted for a couple minutes. And at the end, he, I said, I'm so sorry, I have to go to another party. He said, can I have your number? I was like, someone at the party has it. I'm sure you can find it. Call me. And he found my number and he did call, ironically, three days later. I remember him calling and thinking, this is for sure him following the rule. (laughs) But then it did take time. Honestly, the first couple dates were just okay. like They weren't amazing, but he was really kind. And I just gave him another shot and another shot. And then one day, it was like around our fifth date, it just clicked. And I knew he was the person for me. And if I hadn't given all those shots, I would have really missed on an amazing opportunity. Obviously, he's my husband today. So I'm a fan of being proactive, which is what I did. I made it happen. And he's an introvert and probably would not have even noticed me at the party. And I also gave it a fair shot, which turned out to be really beneficial.
0: Yeah, I love how much confidence you had to just be like, who is that? Bring him over here. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I had nothing to lose. I, I'm such a big fan of shooting your
1: shot. Like, if you see someone in person the way that I did, like, just try it out, you know, have a conversation. If you see someone online, slide into their DMs.
0: <laughs> and if they don't respond, they're not your person. So true. So true. And so, what do your husband and your kids think of your line of work? Well, starting your relationship when you're also starting a matchmaking
1: company is a little tricky because so much of my job at the time was to run around and find hot guys for my clients. (laughs) So, my husband needed to be very secure, which he was. He was so supportive. I would be sitting at dinner with him and Excuse me one second. I need to go talk to that guy and get up and go recruit a guy. So you did it. He was amazing. He oh would. Oh my god, that's crazy. all the time. I did it all the time. <laughs> oh my god. And he would take pictures. He was a photographer at all of our events, and he'd go around. So he was amazing and has been throughout the whole um, company. And then my kids have, I tell them I'm a matchmaker and I try to explain it, but I don't think they really understand what I do. Do
0: you think you'll be matchmaking your children? I will at (laughs)
1: least make them great daters and boyfriends and girlfriends. I have a son and a daughter, so I'm going to train them well. I think they'll be (laughs) equipped for dating.
0: I love that. So this podcast is about creating the manual for the modern woman. What are three pieces of advice you wish you knew sooner?
1: Well, I think a lot of my advice Happens to be around entrepreneurship, just because that was so much of my journey. So the advice that I wish I had, one, I like to say opinions are just data points. So if you're starting a company, it's really important to hear everyone's opinions, but ultimately to trust your instincts. It's a much longer story, but people kept telling me to get out of the dating industry. I ended up shutting down the company and launching something else and then realizing that I was the expert and I should have just trusted myself. And so I relaunched three day rule.
0: Wow. So I think you can get a lot of
1: opinions from people, but ultimately, like if you see something is missing in the market, you're the expert. So just to trust your instinct. Love that. That is one piece of advice. Another advice I wish I, I wish somebody told me was to take time off. Like I was someone who was so obsessed with matchmaking and starting the company that I was working. I like hate to admit this, that I was working on my honeymoon. I didn't really take very much maternity leave. I didn't take a lot of time for myself. And in retrospect, I realized that probably actually would have helped me to check out and to have some space. So I do think it's really helpful to take time off and not to burn out in the job that you have and do what you need for yourself. And then on that note, like it's especially if you have a family, take time just for you, like away from everyone. If that means working out or taking a girl's trip or getting a massage, like a- getting away from
0: everyone and having you time is a game changer. Love that. And so now I'm curious, what's next for 3 Day Rule? We are growing really fast right now. I think it's a combination
1: of people being exhausted by the app. It's the COVID conversation we had and the holidays. So we're adding more matchmakers to the team. In 2022, we're going to launch a few additional cities. So it's just growing and making sure we hire the best matchmakers. We're going to stick to the U.S. for now, but then our goal is to have global expansion. So hopefully we'll be in Australia soon. But for now, the plan is just to grow the team in the U.S.
0: Okay, love that. And so... For people who are listening and are located in Australia, can they sign up to 3-Day Rule?
1: They can. It's a little tricky. You can, but you'll have to put a U.S. zip code. So oh. if you're listening and you want to sign up and, and you're okay with being matched to the U.S., I would suggest putting 90210, which is Beverly Hills zip code, <laughs> and then you can be entered in the database. Amazing. And we have had clients in Australia be matched with our matches in the U.S. and had successful relationships and gotten engaged. So you might as well just try.
0: Yeah. Now the borders are open. Anything is possible, right? <laughs> and you know what we've noticed over the last year is so many
1: people are dating long distance because they can work remotely. It wasn't the case before. It was very hard to do have a long distance relationship. But now what we're seeing is people are opening up so they'll tell us i'm open nationwide i'm open globally where that wasn't the case before because they couldn't work from anywhere
0: yeah i hadn't thought about that but that's so true talia thank you so much for your time today i love chatting to you and i very much look forward to the day three-day rule arrives in australia you're so welcome thanks for having me on it was fun Thank you so much for listening to this Single 30 episode, How to Take Charge of Your Dating Life with 3 Day Rule founder Talia Goldstein. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. If you have any questions, feedback, or even an episode idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30 or join the Single 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together.